try to preach though tonight, uh, Revelation chapter number 3, um, thankful for the word of God and where it's brought us to, and so I don't know, um, I, I don't know how, I mean I'm not in no rush to get out of here tonight, I certainly do not know exactly how long I can, uh, it'd take me to preach this or what, it might take two outings, um, but I'm going to try to preach it tonight and try to get what the Lord has for us. And so, we'll read our scripture to begin with, and we'll pray and ask the Lord to help us. Revelation chapter number 3, verse 14. If you feel like standing, you can. We'll reverence the word of God and reading of the word of God together. The Bible says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Thank you for standing. And Lord, we love you. We ask you to help tonight. I need your help. Lord, I need your help in every way. I need your strength to preach the word of God tonight. Lord, I cannot do it without you, and I pray, God, you'd give the unction and the power of the Holy Ghost. Fill me up, Lord. I need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. So it has been a few weeks since we started the book of Revelation. This is a tenth message in three, three chapters that we went through, and so um, there's 22 chapters in the book of Revelation, and if we continue to go at that rate, it'd be quite some time. And so um, we got, what is it, 3, 6, 9, 12... 15, 18, 20, 21. So there's um, 7 times 10. That's 70 messages and plus some. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's how it's going to be. I've read it, but I cannot tell you. But nonetheless, it's been a few weeks since we started the churches in the book of Revelation. There's seven churches. We understand that those seven churches represent seven different ages as well, as well as them being exact churches. They were churches of that time. And then also they are to tell us of the ages of the church as a prophetic style. And so these seven churches the Lord addressed being Ephesus and um, being from the church of Ephesus there um, to the church of Smyrna to the church of Pergamos, Thyatira and Sardis, Philadelphia and now Laodicea. And so we've come to this last one and six out of the seven of the churches have been given words of counsel. The church of Philadelphia received a few words of complimentation. Then there is the, uh, but however, however, a few, even, a, few even, a few even got words of commendation. He commended them. A few have also received words of condemnation. I think it was the church of Thyatira, if my mind is right, where he told her that 
Behold, I'll cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation. So there is uh, some condemnation that is spoken of in some of the text. But some had serious problems. Some had not so serious problems. But you'd probably agree with me that some of them have sort of, it's sort of kind of been a downhill slope since the beginning. With exceptions to the church of, uh, of Philadelphia. But as Ephesus lost her first love and as um, Smyrna stayed the same and didn't really move much from where their beginnings was and then the church there of Pergamos, uh, that church couldn't stay committed to their calling that God had called them to be as to be a church and then there be uh, the church of Thyatira and that church of Thyatira was condemned uh, in compromise and and they compromised to everything and then there's the church of Sardis and, and they were driven but they were dead. In the church of Philadelphia, of course, they leaned on the Lord. And remember that age, you know, anywhere from 1800s to around 1900. That time that you can read and you pick up books and you read the preachers of old who have seriously preached. Missionaries who have went out and we now have come to the last church and this being the church of Laodicea. And this church was sickening to the Lord. Remember... These were real churches with real problems. But I believe the time frame of this church can be found from anywhere around 1900 to the rapture of the church. Around 1900 to anywhere around the rapture. So when Jesus calls the church out of here, this is the church that's going to be standing. Really, this is where we are today. Here's a few facts. Concerning the church of Laodicea, Antiochus II was the founder of the city uh, right around the year 250 B.C. And his wife's name was Laodice, so he named her Laodicea. And so um, he named this out after her, the city after her. The names means judging, it means rights to the people. So that starts as a bad rap. But it was located some 40 miles southwest of Philadelphia, about 100 miles from Ephesus. And word has it that the water that they had there, they did not have no water in Laodicea. So the water had to be piped into the city. It had no available water. So it had to be piped into the city and it would be piped in from Heropolis, from the hot springs of Heropolis and it would be piped in some five miles north and then also water was piped up from Colossae. So they did not have no water there. That's going to be important in a little while because it was, the, it was also the chief city of, forgive me, I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but Pergera, Pergera, as Paul wrote about Pergera, which Paul speaks of in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 10, chapter 16, verse 6, chapter 18, verse 23. But the city had three main roads that were traveling through the city. One from Adelaia and Perga, which is on the coast side. Then one to Philadelphia and Sardis. And then another from Dorelium. And Pagera. So there's three main roads that's heading to three main paths 
Everybody has to go through Laodicea. So this made it a very prosperous city. And in 133 B.C., it became part of the Roman Empire. And Paul wrote a letter to the church of Laodicea. He wrote a letter to that church. This is interesting. But some reason, the Spirit of God chose not to put it into the Scriptures. But you can find it in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 1 and Colossians chapter 4 verse 12 through 16. Paul stating he did write a, a letter to this church. That's interesting, isn't it? Could you imagine a Bible, ver- I mean a Bible book named Laodicea? Well, he wrote to the church of Philippi. He wrote to the church of Colossae. He wrote to the church of Corinthians. You're getting where I'm going, right? It's pretty crazy. Paul said he wrote to that church, but there really is a lot to know about the city of Laodicea that goes perfectly with how the Lord, knowing it all, addresses this church. Number one, it's money. It was a wealthy city, very wealthy city. It was full of bankers and financers, and lavish living was prominent within the land of Laodicea and had theaters and stadiums and shopping centers were known to have been inside of Laodicea. It was a wealthy city. Its model, not only its money, but its model, and around the city of Laodicea, Strabo, the ancient geographer, stated this. The the country around Laodicea breeds excellent sheep, remarkable not only for the softness of their wool in which they surpass the Milshan sheep, but for their dark or raven colors, the Laodiceans derive a large part of the revenue from them. Its wardrobe was one of was out of this world, which also added to their wealth. So we understand that Christ calls them naked and he calls them poor. So the Lord's addressing them in certain ways. It's money and it's modern, and then also it's known for its medicine. And we can, and we can look, and, and you study this yourself and find this out just yourself, but in this city there was a famous medicine school, and in this school they made ointment. And it was in a tablet form, tablet form, and it was crushed and applied to the eyes, and it was for great failing eyes or something along those lines, and it also added to their wealth. And Christ also looked at them and said, Anoint thine eyes with thyself. You're blind. Does that know what he said? Verse number 17. Verse number 17, he says, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. In all three places, he says that. You're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. But on a physical sense, they were not at all. Everybody with me? So in all this, we can see how the Lord addresses them. It's very particular, and they needed no help from outside. Not even any help from the Lord. They relied solely on themselves. Now this is a church age that we're living in right now. Is that right? It's the church, church age we're living in right now. They relied solely on themselves. Which in that bred, of course, apathy. Unconcerned, uncaring for anyone but themselves. And this mentality, friend, is rampant in our world and our churches today. And it's sad, but the Lord knew that. With this background laid, I believe we can preach on this thought this evening. Laodicea 
the church that was fine on the fence. The church that was fine on the fence. Three points, 35 sub-points, and 25 sub-sub-points. Hang tight. Now, I want you to notice number one tonight. I want you to notice the sickening faults of Laodicea. The sickening faults. We're going to break these verses down. We have to. It's just necessary. The sickening faults of Laodicea. So the Lord doesn't have one good thing to say about Laodicea. Keeping your back in your head that this is our generation. This is our generation. And they, they didn't have one good thing to say to the church of Laodicea. And remember this is, uh, just think about it. He gazes at their church and he has no commendation. Uh, he just starts strong and he ends strong in condemnation. Notice number one, there's faults within their leadership. And under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, I'll stop. As I was studying, I was looking over this, I tried I try and gaze back at the other um, six churches that are represented here as Jesus wrote a letter to all seven of them. And I try to gaze back and look at them and, and look at the other chapters and kind of compare, if you will, to each of them. So I want you to look at these words. It says, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. Right. Now, if we could just for one second look back with me at chapter number 3 and verse number 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? Verse number 1, and unto the angel of the church in Sardis, right? Chapter 2 and verse 18, and unto the angel of the church in Thyatira, right? Verse number two, I mean chapter two, verse number twelve, and unto the angel of the church in Pergamos, right. Chapter number, I mean verse number eight, and unto the angel of the church in Smyrna, right. Verse number one, it's a little different. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, right. It says of, and then there's if. Maybe it's the only church they had in Ephesus, but nonetheless. You see what it says in our text? It says, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. Preaching on, they have the wrong leadership. They have the wrong leadership. Uh, uh, Ephesus states of, the rest of them state in. Uh, and it was the Lord's church. All of them were the Lord's church. But now, it's the church of the Laodiceans. It's not the church within Laodicea, and it's not the church of Laodicea, but it's the church of the Laodiceans. And we can read a little farther and remember back uh, where Ephesus in chapter 2 and verse 1, the Lord was walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Is that not right? He's walking in the midst. Now this ought to sadden and break your heart. He's walking in the midst, but we come now, and in this church, he's standing outside the door and he's knocking. He's not in the midst anymore. He's not in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He's not in the midst of the seven churches. But rather now he's standing outside the door knocking. He's not even allowed in the church anymore. Keep this in mind. This is the church of our age. This church had leadership problems. It wasn't the Lord's church. It was the church of the Laodiceans. We at Mountain Valley, friend, must never forget where the Lord brought us from. 
Friend, it's not something we run. This is the Lord's church is what it is. Uh, It must be operated under His leadership and we're here for Him. That's the only reason we're here. He keeps it running. Uh, He operates it. He died for the church. Uh, He shed His own blood for the church. Uh, And friend, I'm telling you, it's all about Him. It's all about Him. He's the leader of this church and they had fault. Within their leadership. Secondly, I want you to notice in verse 15. uh, I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. They had a fault of lukewarmness. And a fault of lukewarmness. The Lord tells them uh, that they are lukewarm. Uh, And remember when I mentioned the water earlier? So, so water was popped in from the hot springs of, of, of Heropolis, or, or I think it's something along those lines. And, and they say it was some six miles away. And so in turn, by the time it reached Laodicean, the water was lukewarm. It was no longer hot like when it first came out of the hot springs. And then the cold water would come up from Colossian. When it got there, it might have been cold when it left, but when it got there, it was lukewarm. And friend, it was just like the water. This church had fallen into the same scenario, the same scene, and, and they had become lukewarm. There was no fire. There was no fruit. Uh, there were rather poor apathy and poor attendance in the house of God. Motions were all they had. No production from the Lord, no spirit, uh, just the same old, same old. Uh, every single service, three times a week, uh, they would come in, it'd be the same thing. Uh, every single time, uh, the cross didn't mean a thing. Uh, the Word of God didn't move anything. Uh, and Jesus was sickened by it. In our day, emotions are considered spiritual. Just the same old people shouting, same old people singing, same old people doing the same old things over and over again. Hear me? No zeal, no burden. The cross didn't mean much. You can sing there's power in the blood, there's power in the blood, and nobody moves. You you could sing all day long to the top of your lungs. Uh, There is a fountain uh, filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. uh, And sinners plunge beneath the flood. uh, Lose all their guilty stains and nobody, nobody moves. Friend, I'm telling you, uh, the, the preacher can preach till he's blue in the face on the blood of Jesus Christ uh, or the cross uh, or Jesus and nobody moves a muscle. Not mad tonight. Understand me, I'm burdened. I'm extremely burdened. I'm not just talking about this church, but this is the church of our generation. Uh, this is the church of Elisha's uh, and Micaiah's uh, and Malachi's generation as they come up. Uh, this is what they have to deal with. If there's no fire in the pulpit, there ain't going to be no fire in the pews. Uh, but sometimes they can be fire in the pulpit and there ain't no fire in the pews. I'm telling you, friend, uh, I'm telling you, the preacher can preach on going, uh, can preach on giving, uh, can preach on gaining, and everyone just gets upset to hear it. Preach on hell, nobody grabs up a burden for a family member. I'm telling you, friend. Why? Because they become lukewarm. That's why. 
Because they become lukewarm. Death is not the issue here. You understand that? Death is not the issue. The church wasn't dead. God did not say your church is dead. God does not say uh, your church is cold. He said it's lukewarm. It's in the midst. It's on the fence. Uh, and friend, all, all people don't come testify anymore. Uh, they never feel the need uh, to do anything uh, much besides come and go. Come on. How can we hear about what the Lord has done for us and stay the same? How can I preach tonight and us just talk about that? How can I do that? How can we do that? How can you hear of that, of what Jesus did for you and not shed a tear, raise a hand, testify of it? How? How is it possible anymore? Where is the zeal for the things of God? He's never changed. Ladies, where's the zeal? Men, where's the zeal? Where is it at? He's never changed. Listen, those are the hardest to ever pastor. I've pastored them. They're the hardest to pastor. And Lord, help us not to get that way. Where the person believes right, they heard it all. You know, they were lukewarm, they weren't cold. Heard it all, and they stand there and they're totally unmoved by it. Friend, don't get satisfied with serving God. Don't get satisfied with what you're doing. The cross should move you. Anybody hear me? The cross should move you. The cross, just thinking about what Jesus did there, and now he's only standing outside the door knocking. That's all he's doing now. That's all he's allowed to do now. The cross should move you. The empty grave should move you. The heavens should move you. The, the, the word of God should move you. And if it, not, it does not, there's some problem otherwise. If somebody can claim the name of Jesus Christ and never be moved because of the cross, they've got something wrong in their life. I would dare say they might not even be saved. I'm serious. I'm dead serious, friend. If you can go past Calvary and you can look there and you can see the Lord bleeding, you can see Him beat, you can see Him battered and bruised and all for you, then there is some more issues. Amen. There's some issues, friend. No person can be right with God if that doesn't move a person. If that doesn't move a person. Understand it's different here than it is there. Understand that it is. But God's good. Just think about what he did for you on Calvary. Just think about the blood that he shed and the things that he did up there. And the salvation he won and the victory he won and the death that he overcame and everything. Just think about that. And that's not a rant, friend. That's the church of Laodicea. They're not cold. They're not hot. They're lukewarm. There are faults within their leadership. There are faults within their lukewarmness. And then there is fault within their looking. Because thou sayest, I am rich. 
increase with good and have nothing need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched miserable poor blind and naked the people took an examination of themselves and they saw no wrong they saw no wrong they saw no wrong when they looked at themselves they had already arrived where they needed to be they had already arrived however as they sat there in much comfort the Lord told them what they really were. Wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. That's what they were when the Lord looked on them. Man, we could put an examination all day long of our own lives. But man, how's the Lord see us? Friend, we must always keep it at the forefront of our minds and hearts that He doesn't see things the way we do. Hey man, I dare say the average church and the average Christian today uh, do not think they need revival. But I tell you right now, Mountain Valley Baptist Church needs revival. Amen. We need revival. We need a move of God and we can look at where the Lord has brought us from and say praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I'm so glad uh, that he brought us out of that but we cannot lay on it. We cannot rest upon it. and We cannot lean upon it for it to get us through tomorrow. We need a move of God now. We need a move of God now. How does the Lord look at us tonight? More than all the money in the world. More than all the people that we could ever possibly get inside of this church. More than anything we need. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. That's what we need. And all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. We need Jesus. That's what we need. Sickening faults of Laodicea and they needed Jesus. Secondly, I want you to notice the sovereign fix for Laodicea. We'll go through the verses. You know there's a fix for every problem. Not everyone was lost. The Lord gives us the fix in these verses tonight. And I want you to notice with me, there's a coming down from above. He says in verse number 14, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true, and the beginning of the creation of God. He gives three demonstrations of how he is. He gives three attributes, three characters of himself. And he comes as the truthful one he says and under the angel of the church of Laodiceans write these things saith the amen now the word amen means let it be and in Isaiah chapter 65 verse 16 it portrays his truth as let it be it's a confirmation to the truth and, and when, when we say amen we're saying hey that's true we're saying that's true and he comes as one who is altogether true is what he is. You cannot get more truer than him. He said, let it be. I come as the amen. Then he goes on and he says, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness. Not only is he the truthful one, but he is the trustworthy one. He comes as a trustworthy one and this is used as a contrast to the church of the Laodiceans. Now you think about that. It's a contrast to them. It's not what they are because they're not true and they're not a faithful witness. 
Right? And so it's a contrast to them, and they, they couldn't line up to him. He's the only one that can point out their wrongs. And here he is, and he's pointing them out. And I tell you, friend, he can be trusted. Amen, he can be trusted. What he says, it's right all the time. Amen. He comes as a trustworthy one that we can say in the beginning of the creation of God. He comes as the timeless one. The timeless one, friend. He's, he's timeless. He's forever he was, forever he will be. He was, he is, he'll always be. He is in control. He created it. He sustained it. He died for it. And therefore, he's got to maintain it. It is the church, and that's what he put it for. And he's speaking to the church of the Laodiceans. And he comes to them and he says, Hey, I am the beginning of the creation of God. I stepped on top of nothing and created everything you see. And when I come to you, I come to you in power and I have control, I'm timeless, I'm forever and he's the leader of the church Amen It's coming down from above, a communing from above notice verse number 15 he says I know thy works, he's talking to them directly now he said I know thy works it's directly and so he had a word for Laodicea. I believe he has a word for us as well. Notice a few things. I told you I got a bunch of subpoints too to the subpoints. And then so there is a word of their straddling. He said, "I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot." I know thy works. You're not cold, you're not hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. He said, "I wish you was." I wish you was one of the two. The Lord had a word to just just stay one way. I believe there's a practical application here too. I don't believe that there's just a prophetic application or just a look how we look at cold and hot. Oh man, that church is on fire, praise the Lord. You know the facts are is that hot and cold water are therapeutic. And the facts are is that if we think about that, I, 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 I go to some churches where it's real high and it's real shouting and it's running and it's uh, um, jumping and it's all of those things and it's real high, it's real hot. And man, you know what? That helps me and fires me up sometimes. But I can also go to some churches that's not so high, but I sit back and cry the whole time. Those moments where I, it doesn't mean it's any less, but it's refreshing to me. Cold water. The Bible says that cold water to a thirsty soul, it's refreshing. It's something good. Uh, there's good news from the far country as cold water is to a thirsty soul. Uh, Proverbs 25, 25, I think it is. And that's good, good news from the far country. And I tell you, friend, hope, hope, uh, hope that makes sense. It's something we can hold on to. Uh, it's something we can glean from. And it's something that we can rest in. There's a word of their straddling. There's a word of the Lord's sickness. He says in verse 16, So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. The Lord hated their straddling so much that he got sick. The Lord tells us very clearly that he'll spew them out of his mouth. I don't think you need any commentary there, do you? I believe you understand it completely. Spew them out of his mouth. And I don't think the Lord doesn't put up with someone straddling the fence. You need to believe it. Stay with it and stick with it. Don't be backing up. Don't be pushing forward. Don't do anything. Stay with what you know. Amen. I don't, I don't want to make the Lord sick. 
a word of their Lord's sickness, then there's a word of their standing. Verse 70, Because thou sayest, I am rich, increased with good, and have need of nothing, knowest not thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. According to this verse, they look and give their own story. They give their own commentary. Then the Lord looks and gives his. What a verse. The, 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 they give their own to that. And I see a lot of it in this stuff. I see pride. There's some big pride. There's some pride in their own accomplishments. They had pride in it all. Jesus looks and he calls them wretched. That word wretched there means very bad. He calls them miserable. That word means pathetic. It means pitiful. That's what the Lord calls them. We're not always what we think we are. Amen. They had pride in their own accomplishments. They had pride in their own abundance. They said, hey, I am rich. They looked, at, they looked and said, I am rich and increased with good and have need of nothing. That's a lie because they needed Jesus. In their own abundance, they had pride in their own abundance. The Lord looks on them and he says, you know what? You're poor. That's what you are. You're poor. And beloved, I tell you, we can find a different perspective of everything of ourselves when we look through the eyes of the Lord. We're rich. Got plenty of everything. We have increased with goods. We have no need for anything. The Lord says, you're poor. They had some pride in their accomplishments. They had some pride in their abundance. They had pride in their abilities. They looked and they said, man, look at all I have. Priests with goods have need of nothing. Look at everything I have. Yet the Lord looks at them and he says, you're blind. You're blind. They can't see who they really are. They have a problem. They look and they have pride in their accomplishments, their abundance, and their abilities. And then they go on and they have pride in their appearance. They look and they said, and increase with good. Jesus looks and said, hey, you're naked. You're naked. That's what you are. Humiliating themselves. That was a form of humiliation just as it is today. But you know, as Jesus was hanging on the cross, was humiliating. They were too blind to see it. Friend, we must be careful how we view ourselves. Amen. Then we see a counseling from above. Verse 18, 17, 18. We read 17. Let's read 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy necklace do not appear. Anoint thine eyes with eyes, saith, and thou mayest see. Jesus counsels them on where to go to find the help they really need. He counsels them on that. And I want to give you a few things. Number one, you need to run to Jesus with an eternal wealth. You need to run to Jesus if you want an eternal wealth. You never know the riches God can give until you submit to Him what you already have. The wealth He gives lasts. And eternity it lasts in eternity, and the wealth of this world can be here, 
today and it can be gone tomorrow. Friend, everything that death can't take away, that's how much you're worth. Uh, and I, 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 listen, but the treasures, the treasures I lay up in heaven, they'll never fade away. They'll never fade away. And lay not up treasures for yourselves upon earth where moth and rust do corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up treasures for yourself in heaven where the moth and rust doth not corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your heart is, there will your, for where your treasury is, there will your heart be also. I'm telling you, friend, it's the truth. Run to Jesus. If you want an eternal wealth. Run to Jesus, number two, if you want an eternal wardrobe. He says very clearly, he, well, let me back up and read that first part of that verse. I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire. His gold has already been tried. That thou mayest be rich. And then he says, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. That the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Spiritual garments. Spiritual garments is what it is. They're naked, they're lost in their sins. And what a better time to come to Him and be clothed in His righteousness. What a better time. No longer naked in the sight of God. You understand, the church of Laodicea was lost. I'm jumping ahead, but the church, most of the church of Laodicea was lost. The Lord is looking at this church and Isaiah 61 and verse 10 tells us, I'll greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me in the garments of salvation. He clothed me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. That is me. That's me. Been to weddings, plenty of weddings in my life. I'm telling you, there's nothing like going to a good wedding that displays what's going to take place one day. That's what a wedding's supposed to be, by the way. Pure and white. You get there and you stand in the sight of God and He calls you His own. That's glorious, friend. That's glorious. Uh, in Revelation 19 and verse 8, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, He says, And, he, and to, to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Thank God. That day I'll have that righteousness on me. Run to Jesus for eternal wardrobe. Run to Jesus for eternal perception. He says, And anoint thine eyes with thy self that thou mayest see. When Jesus changed your vision, you'll never see him nor anything else the same again. When Jesus changes things, you'll never, you'll never be the same again. You have to see your lost position before you know you need to be found. Friend, I tell you, we need to run back to Jesus. Mountain Valley, America, every church in America needs to run back to Jesus. Elisha, someday he's going to have to run to Jesus. But someday he's going to have to be shown to run to Jesus. He's going to have to be taught to run to Jesus. Turn him around here. He's going to have to be taught to run to Jesus. And I'm telling you the truth this evening. You need to hear it. They need to hear it. And everybody needs to hear what I'm trying to say. There is one day 
when there will be no more. And it's so important to get it right now. Jesus is calling to the church of Laodicea. Jesus is calling. And there can be, there can be, there can be a move of God. John chapter 9, verse 25, the Bible says, And he answered, it reminds me of that blind man, and he answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not one thing I know, whereas I was blind, and now I see. We got help from God when we got born again. He took the blinders off when Paul got born again. He took the blinders of sin off and put the, put the blessings of salvation on him. Then he wrapped him up in a garment of salvation. I'm telling you, there is a need to run to God and a counseling from above as God says, you need to do this. Fourthly, there's a chastening from above. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. The Lord gives words they need to hear. I believe we could hear them too. There's words of love. He says, as many as I love. I'm amazed by this. In spite of their problems, he still loved the church of Laodicea. He still loved that church. What a blessing that is. Jesus doesn't just write people off when they do. Not do as He pleases. But He calls them. And He continues to love them. Even when they reject Him and His love. And I'm glad that that's how He was with me. There's words of love. There's words of listening. He says, I rebuke and chasten. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. If they had listened to his word, they would have never gotten where they are. But he loves us so much, he won't leave us there, though. Hallelujah. Friend, there's rebuke. That word rebuke means convict. It means correct. It means reprove. Then there's the word. There's tough times when you get rebuked. But they're good for your growth. Amen. They're good for your growth. And then the word chase in there, that means... Educate, discipline, instruct. Often this word means to discipline with blows. It's brutal. We need that. Whatever it needs to do to get our attention, that's what we need. Amen. There's some words about love, about listening. Then he goes on, he says, be zealous, therefore, and repent. There are words about learning. Now, zealous means to burn with zeal. It means passion and a pursuit for something. We need zeal to worship God. We need zeal to get to church. We need zeal to worship, to witness, to tell others about Him. We need it. This church needs a fire to get started. Repent. Repent. That word repent means to turn oneself the opposite direction. That's what it means. Laodicea needed to turn around. They needed to turn around completely. Head back to Philadelphia. That's where they needed to head. The churches of this generation do as well, friend. We need to get on fire for God. We need God to fix some things. Amen, friend. I need God's help. We see the sickening faults of Laodicea, the sovereign fix for Laodicea. Lastly, we see the sympathizing facts for Laodicea. Let's break these verses down. The Lord ends, as always, with facts. Some promises mixed in with it for the church of Laodicea. Now this breaks my heart. The Lord is now on the outside. Everybody getting that right? Now this is the church that I am raised in. This is the church that I'm around. This is the church age that I'm in and you're in too. 
the Lord is on the outside of the door. See how detrimental it is? How important it is? Trying to come in. He's trying to come in. What a sad statement. There's a fact about his position. He said, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Lord is going beyond to get back in. And his mercy and his grace, friend, he never gives up in his efforts to enter those lives who he loves. He, he's not giving up. You understanding that, right? He didn't give up. He's still here. What a blessing he didn't give up on us. He's still here. Fact about his position, there's a fact about his passion. He said, If any man hear my voice and open the door. In my mind, I can imagine the Lord standing there, obviously speaking, let me in. Any man, hear my voice. He's saying something. What's he saying? One thing else I just noticed if any man, doesn't take the whole assembly one man one man's all it takes to open the door and let the Lord back in the church however by your own will you must open the door and let him in this door only has one handle and it's on the inside and you must open it fact about his passion in fact about a promise he said I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. You know what happens when he sits down and sup with you? Fellowship happens. If you open the door, you'll have fellowship. Have help. Hallelujah. Lord, help us to keep the door open. Now, there's a practical sense to this too. I believe also it could be speaking about salvation. As this church being a lost church in a lot of sense, he's saying, hey, I'm knocking at the door of your heart. If you'll open this door I'll let, and let me in, I'll come in. And then I'll have fellowship. Hallelujah. Sweet spirit. Verse 21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and have sat down with my father in his throne. There's a fact about his power, his promise, his passion, position. This is his power. Everything he has will be given to the one that overcomes. See that? He said, if you overcome, I'll grant him to sit with me in my throne. Not kneel, not stand, but sit. Even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in my throne. We sit in the sovereignty. What a day, friend. I'm telling you, it's not going to be easy getting there. There's many lost in the church of Laodicea, and the Lord invites him to come in. The Lord invites them to let him in. It's free will. You have to open the door. But the saddest part of me is it's in my generation, and my generation has closed the door with Christ on the outside. My generation has closed the door with Christ on the outside of the door. It's a one-sided door handle. It's not a push, it's not a pull, but it's a twist and open from the inside. I'm telling you all right now, it's so important to not get like the church of Laodicea. But it's very capable. 
We're very capable of it. Paul said, I myself could be a castaway. I believe we could be a castaway. Do you want to be? Do you want to be? I don't want to be. And I don't want to be. Never, whatever, whatever you need, don't ever let yourself get to where this church is. The final offense. Lord, help us. If you got a need tonight, you can come around the altar and pray. Ask the Lord to give you the help you need. And we can stand to our feet across the building. Lord, I come to you tonight asking, dear God, to please, Lord, help me. Lord, help this church. Help us, Lord, not to in any way fall flat on our faces, try to worship you, Lord, but help us, God, to let you in, Lord, to keep you in this place, Lord. Lord, we need a power of God. We need a touch of God. We need a move of God, Lord. Lord, without you, we're absolutely nothing. Lord, we're useless. We're worthless, Lord, without you. It's just no good sinners headed to hell. Lord, thank you, God, for reaching out to us. Lord, help us not to make you sick. Help us not to fall into this complacency and comfortableness, Lord, of the church of Laodicea, Lord. God, send revival. Please, Lord, send revival. Send revival across this land. Send revival to this church. We need the move of God. Please, Lord, help me tonight. Please, Lord, help us. Help this church, Lord, in every way. Lord, that we might serve you with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, Lord. Lord, it's nothing of us. We cannot do one thing without you, Lord. And we plead, Lord, asking you to help us send revival to this church. We need your help in Jesus' name.